You're going to do a really awesome intro. Yeah, I'm yeah. very excited for yeah. this. All right, now I'm on the hook for the intro. Can we get, can we get a little bit of energy? Can we get a little bit of applause? Yeah. Get, get Kyle go. fired up. There we go. All right, welcome to Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Scott, joined, as always, by Russell Joy. Hello. Uh, Adam is not here tonight. It is NBA Draft Thursday night. We are about halfway through the first round. Adam is doing his duties for Bleacher Report, so uh, we're going to fly somewhat solo here. We are live from Ladder 15. Uh, can we get a, another round of applause? So this is our first live show. We've been doing the podcast for, I guess, a little over two months now. This is the first one we've done in front of an audience. Usually we are recording at like 6 a.m. somewhere in like our basements and communicating with each other over Skype. So this is cool and much different than what we're used to. Uh, and I, I can ahead. confirm that Kyle, maybe for the first time ever while recording this podcast, is wearing pants. T- totally different very feeling. Exciting. Very uncomfortable, actually. <laughs> a little, little bit tight, a little bit tight in the area, but uh, we'll get through it. Um, I w- we got a few thanks are in order before we start. First of all, we want to thank Ladder 15. Uh, we're on the third floor here. This is awesome up here, spacious. We got three nice sized TVs. They were nice enough to put the audio on for the draft. So I want to thank uh, the bar guys. I, I didn't catch all their names, but I want to, the bartenders. Be sure to tip them well. Uh, I want to thank Steve from Ladder 15 for putting this together. Uh, Kurt and John for helping out. Also want to thank New Media Studios and Justin, who is around here somewhere. He came out, was nice enough to come out. He's got all his professional equipment, which is much better than what we normally are using. Uh, we're got, we got video. We got house audio. So thank you. Uh, be sure to check out New Media Studios. If you have any sort of recording needs, these guys are great, and we're using top-of-the-line stuff here, and this is the best we're ever going to sound. And also, uh, we got intern Bill here. Intern Bill, say hello. He's going to be helping us out with the show. He's selling T-shirts, so thanks to intern Bill for uh, helping us out. He might be the most energetic person. He is more excited to be here than... He is very excited. He legitimately looks like like a, a, a kid who just saw their dad get drafted in, into the NBA. He is just dad. so excited. He looks like LaMelo Ball right now. This is great. Or their son. Or if you're LeVar and it's their son. Um, so, all right, let's get the big thing out of the way. It's draft night. The Sixers took Markel Fultz. I don't know what else. There we go. We got applause. I don't know what else there really is to say. Let's, I, say, let's say with a little bit more energy, right? Like this is, this is a big moment in Sixers history. The Sixers just drafted Markel Fultz. So, is, is anybody unhappy with that pick? I don't think so. Um, this was totally expected. I think the story of tonight is how far the Sixers have come as a team. Like, just I, I started my website in 2010, and it was basically built around the Phillies. And everyone here tonight, all obviously it's draft party, but is coming up and talking about how excited they are for the Sixers how they bought season tickets. A few people have said they bought full season plans already. Uh, I think the Sixers have sold 14,000. So, like, Russ, like, have you ever seen a Sixer, like, the interest in the Sixers be what it is right now? No, the only time that I ever remember the, the Sixers having quite this much excitement uh, without actually having seen anything really accomplished was when Iverson came back to the team and kind of went on his farewell tour. I remember going to that game, um, and that was a sellout. The, the kind of, I think, the, the appetite for basketball, especially after the last few years of the team being atrocious with, with purpose, but being atrocious has left so many people hungry for good basketball. When you see 
this this team that that Joel Embiid has now, I guess, officially uh, approved and endorsed the name the Feds uh, with, Fult- with Fultz, Embiid, uh, Dario, and Simmons. Um, I, I said to Kyle, I, I kind of view this now as Danny Ainge is getting, he's shaking in his little Celtics boots. He's going to pull a Paul Revere. The, the Sixers are coming. The Sixers are coming. So I, I think it's very exciting. And, and you know, I, I know that Philly is, is a football town, but I think the Sixers are about to give them a little, little bit of a run. Yeah. So I'm very excited. I feel like in this town when there's interest, in the late 90s it was, I am, I, my voice is totally shot after two hours of talking at a bar. Um, I feel like in the late 90s, it was, it was the Flyers. They were the team that rival the Eagles. They were, they were good. They were consistently cup contenders. And then, then it was the Eagles in the early 2000s. And for six years, all anyone wanted to talk about was the Phillies. And the Sixers have never had a shot. Like, I'm looking around this room, and pretty much everybody here, except for maybe you, Jeff, is like, you know, 30 or below. Oh, he's, he's mad at me that I called him out on that. Jeff is definitely 29. Let's, let's be nice to him. <laughs> mid-30s. He, he goes mid-30s. But I feel like everyone here is like early 30s or below. And with the exception of a few years of Allen Iverson, there, wasn't, there hasn't been anything for us to watch as basketball fans. You know, there's, if you're a fan of certain college teams, <clears throat> Villanova um, or St. Joe's for a little while, uh, there was basketball, but like, if you really like basketball in this town, you had a root for other NBA teams, and I think it's really exciting now that there's a team that is building something. And all these, all these old heads, all these, all these knuckleheads who still won't accept the process, I feel like what they don't understand is that the fan base, they always claim that they're speaking for the fan. I feel like the fan base is so on board with what it has taken to get here. And at the end of the day, in the four years it's been since they've kind of started this, None of the other teams who have gone about things more traditionally have even so much as won a playoff series. So as bad as it was, it's not like there were even any better alternatives. And it's definitely interesting. We talked about in the past, I think it was Business Insider ran that article about the the average age of of fans in each league and how the NBA is so much younger than especially like MLB. And I think one of the things that, that is really encouraging for the NBA and especially for the Sixers is knowing that their fan base is so much younger and is so much in, more invested. And realistically, if, if you are between the ages of like 15 and, I don't know, 32, you're probably about to see the most successful run in Philadelphia sports that you've seen in your lifetime, with maybe the exception of, of the Phillies, obviously, in 08 through you know, 2010, 2011-ish. Yeah. Um, this, this I, I guess, in contrast to that Phillies run is... You're seeing these guys be so young and have so many years ahead of them. When at the end of the Phillies run, we knew that we were waiting for Cliff Lee and Roy Halladay to eventually, and even Roy Oswalt, they were on the, the middle end of their careers. And we saw Halladay fall out fast, Cliff Lee, Oswalt essentially disappear. This, this Sixers team is just so interesting because they, they are so young and have so many great years ahead of them at reasonable cap hits as well. And they're they're almost the per, like they're almost the perfect team for the perfect time. Like if you, if you think about what like as as a younger audience we kind of value. We, we've talked in previous podcasts about guys being authentic and stuff, right? But that Phillies team, as good as they were, as much as everyone loved them, maybe more than any any team I've seen in my 33 years, like local fans love. None of those guys, none of those guys at those, that time, or even still, really, were using social media. Really connected to the fans directly. And the Sixers team, they're all young guys. Like Embiid is 23. Simmons is what, 20, 21? 
Fultz is 19. Sarge is, Sarge is young. You It'll have, be so exciting when Dario Sarge finally decides to come to the U.S. I'm, I'm, he'll get here. One, just, he'll, he's going to get eventually. here one of these days. And one yeah. of these days he'll eventually show up, we hope. Um, but these guys are so young, and they, they connect with people. Like, just, so just looking tonight, we, we have to talk about this. Lo- <clears throat> totally lose my voice. Lonzo Ball gets picked. Almost immediately, they, he, go ahead. I, I was so angry. So anybody who was watching the draft, prior to the draft even starting, there was an interview uh, that ESPN did with LeVar and Lonzo Ball. And I've been it, a bit of a critic of LeVar. I think that he's taken so much of the, the excitement away and, and taking the moment away from his son consistently. And I was really hoping as, as a dad myself that he would finally move out of the way and understand that, his son is really the star tonight at the number two pick for the Lakers. And I was really hoping that he was going to step aside as a dad, realize that he's got many years ahead of him to, to be the father of an NBA player. And instead what I saw was a guy who wouldn't let his son have that moment. He wouldn't let him have his, his real moment in, in the national spotlight to take in this day that he's worked so hard for to become a professional player. And it was just disheartening, and I thought it was—it just—it made me detest Lavar a little bit more, and actually pity Lonzo a little bit more. And even after he was taken, Lavar had to make it about him. And and I, like I said, as a parent, like my kids are really, really young, like two and five months old. So like, it's not the same. But when they get that but first participation trophy, you are just stepping I'm out, of the, out of the way. I'm getting out of the way. Yeah. But no, Who's but partici- yeah, yeah. I mean, there has never been a more—I don't think emasculate maybe like. I, I hate that this sounds awful, but he like he cucked his son on the night of his draft. He's standing there. Um, I, that split screen after they interviewed Lonzo and they cut his interview short. He got fifty percent of the time the other top picks got. So Lavar could sit there and talk about his son with his big ball, his, his fucking big brawler brand tie. And you got a screenshot of a split screen with the son sitting there, no smile on his face, his head down, and his dad beaming. Like, I've never seen... It's interesting to see, like, the family dynamic. Like, I don't want to play, like, amateur psychologist, but to see him sitting there and his dad stealing his moment live on national TV and to see his face and his dad's face, it just felt... It's so awkward. We were watching this, like, weird family dynamic that I don't think most people are familiar with. It's so disappointing, but then at the same time, like, you you could definitely see that uh, towards the end of it, after LeVar kind of... We couldn't hear it all. Uh, it, It was quite loud in here, but, like... We got to a point where LeVar looks over at his son and, and Lonzo eventually just kind of, you see as LeVar is getting even more animated that Lonzo kind of puts his head down and like, the oh, there goes dad again. Almost like he has to make a joke out of it himself. I don't know how he stays sane having his dad just make a mockery essentially out of, out of what his career should be at, at least yeah. at the start. Uh, the Foot Locker con- uh, commercial was genius because he got to own that a little bit, but... Um, yeah, he's de- you could definitely see that he kind of knows what his dad is. Uh, anyway, so when this happens, Ben Simmons tweets, and I'm sure I think everybody here saw it at the same moment because I could see everybody looking at Twitter and looking at their phones. So Ben Simmons tweets uh, the uh, hell of a subtweet, crazy pills, as LeVar is talking. And then that gets well retweeted well by Joel Embiid, who I think outdoes him as he usually does on Twitter. Uh, quote, please dunk on him so hard. It's talking to Simmons. Please dunk on him so hard so that his daddy runs on the court to save him. So these are guys. De'Aaron Fox did an interview with Sports, Sports Illustrated. It was posted earlier today. And he talked about how the other guys in the draft class view ball. 
and they're all pretty much in agreement that he's an okay guy, but they feel bad for him because he's going to come into the league. And the phrase Fox used, he said, they're not, guys aren't going to go for his head. They're going to go for his neck. And he pointed to his neck like, like guys don't want to take him out. They want to kill him, and he's going to have a rough first year. And for, you know, for a kid who otherwise seems like he's okay to have his dad steal that moment. But seeing, a, the, seeing well, this, go ahead. At least on a positive note for him, he's not going to have D'Angelo Russell, you know, take videos of, of him yeah, I mean, running around on his girlfriend. So I guess there are positives in Los Angeles. You could, al- you could, you could always be D'Angelo Russell. He's like, he's like the Cleveland of athletes. Um, so anyway, seeing, but seeing like what we were talking about before, seeing Embiid and Simmons tweet about this stuff, like that's an experience we've never had with a team we've loved. These guys are so – not only are they, they active like Embiid and Charich, but like – they're real. No one keeps it more real than Embiid. And by the way, my conspiracy theory about him having a ghost tweeter is beginning to pick up theme, uh, steam. There's a whole Reddit thread about it today. And I don't know if that started Look at you. from the podcast, but I got another tweet while we're here tonight. And they're like, no, there's no way this guy's tweeting for himself. So the bi- I, to me, the biggest disappointment would be Joel Embiid is actually not his own. Why can't tweeter. you just let us have nice things? I will. Just I, once. I, pro- I like hand to God, I will not be the guy. If he does have a fake, I will not be the guy to out him. I, I can't do that to to us and to the city. Let's just let Embiid, let's just assume that Embiid is doing his own tweeting because he's so goddamn good at it. It is so fitting, too, that for, for a team that has such a young fan base, that, that their young players are really the guys who are, who are kind of carrying them through this, this really interesting social media age and, and really helping to brand the team, even, even that maybe meaning to do so. But they... Well, no, and, and, and Beat is, is a treasure to this city and to the league. Well, and the sooner that, that more uh, you know, companies come out with endorsements for him, the, the better. I mean, he, he might be top three most marketable players in the league. Well, look at the whole process thing. I mean, the Sixers tried to force Together We Tank, uh, Run With Us. I guess that was before they really tanked. Uh, I'm sorry, Together We Build. There was, a, there was another one in there. And they know. Ne- oh, they, the, uh, this starts now. This starts I now. I love that. Yeah, one. Yeah, that yeah. was great. And none of those stuck on. And the trust the process thing, it came from guys like Ricky Sanchez talking about it. I think Sam Hinkie may have uttered it. He didn't once it was, uh, ever. It was Tony Roten. Tony, Tony Roten, Roten is, where, that's right. is where it started. And, and it's owned by Marcus Limonis, who hosts the show on CNBC, is like how the phrase got popularized. And the Sixers never embraced this. It, it was something they distanced themselves from, especially after they let Hinky go. Like Scott O'Neill wanted nothing to do with the process, nothing to do with Hinky. The Colangelo's would have been better off if Hinky was dead. Um, and Embiid is the is the guy who online again on Twitter embraced the phrase. And when he started to call himself the process, and you have twenty thousand people chanting his name and him calling for it at the free throw line, like it was totally organic. I, I don't know if I've ever seen something like that in sports where. The not only the interest, but like the marketing slogan and and just the entire feel around the team, like was just completely natural. And that's why I feel like these guys are the perfect guys for this time. Like this is like this is a time where we value authenticity and guys keeping it real. And no one, Embiid is eventually going to say something on Twitter that is going to get him in trouble. But we were just talking to about this to someone earlier. He's he's kind of reached that Charles Barkley level already, where he's going to have to say something really offensive to get under anybody's skin because he's, 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 he's been so crazy. He has set that bar so high that he has so much wiggle room to play with under it where he can pretty much say whatever he wants, even if for most guys it would be the sort of thing they might have to eventually apologize for just because he's like, hey, that's him. It's his opinion. And Carl, I, that's terrible. That's terrible. Right? Is that your Barkley? It's not a we get your Trump? 
excuse me, excuse me, no, not so, tonight. So some of the other news tonight. So by the way, I wanted to talk about Fultz's jacket. Uh, love the move. Oh, love the move going with the mom and the family on the inside of the jacket. Don't know if I've seen that. And his college team. Like he's, he had pictures, all kinds of memories of his, of his career leading up to this point. And I know we, we said this before, uh, trying to think of the, the name of the guy who plays for the Phillies that, that got, he made the, the roster at the end. It was, a Bro, it was a Brock Stassi. Uh-huh. And how he kind of shouted out to the, the scout who found him. And at the time we said, you know, we love authentic people. We love people who, who kind of pay homage to the people who got them to where they were. And, the problem with and, Sassy is he's, 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 hey, like he's hey, swinging hey, a tree when he swung his bat. I'm saying that he's great. But Fultz, to be the number one pick in the draft, and like this is, this is that, that stark contrast that exists between the balls and Fultz. The yeah. balls are all about themselves. Even LeVar said that his, two next, his next two sons are going to go to the Lakers when he was asked how. He said, ball control, the big baller way. How long do you think he was and, working on that? Oh, like that was like Trump down, trickle down economics or whatever. He, he had that in his, in his pocket ready to go. So the, the interesting thing with Fultz is I, I love how he is so selfless and how he's a humble kid. And if, if you listen to any interview that he's done, if you read any of the, the articles that have been done about him, I think the, the Ringer did, did one about him, and we said the Washington Post did one about him. He, he really is a great kid, and, and he's somebody that you just have to root for. I, and I feel like the, if, if anyone didn't read it, and I think uh, probably a lot of our audience did, but there was a Washington Post uh, profile on Fultz the other day, and it kind of flew under the radar. But he, the dude, and we, I think we talked about this last show, but he is so driven – by being slighted in high school. Like, I love that in a player. I, I, I love the guy who's playing not to lose and to prove people wrong rather than the guy who is playing for glory. Like, you get the sense that the Lonzo Balls of the world are playing for... This is such a sports talk radio topic, I kind of fucking hate myself for even bringing it up. But, like, the, the guys like Lonzo Ball are trying to... You know, they're playing for the glory, and Fultz is, like, just playing to prove his high school coach wrong. I, I like that sort of determination. The only thing I don't like... The only thing that I didn't like that, that came up with that was... When ESPN was, you know, they do their little like their little graphic breakdown to the left about the player and about their their major career highlights, and the first one that they said about about Fultz was that he didn't make the the high school varsity team. That's until, right. We're going to hear. He was a that's all right. That's the thing we're going to hear and, when he's getting introduced in an All Star game in a couple of years. Yep. I, I do kind of have to shout out. Was it John Barchard said uh, in in response to it to a Fultz tweet? He said, you know, play like your your next game is the first one that Bob Brookover has actually watched. So that's. Uh, you That's know, good. I, I like a guy with a chip on his shoulder. Someone tweeted me today, and they, they said, you know, they, they tagged me and Brookover. They said, Brookover should, should do your podcast. And I was thinking about offering him $250 cash if he showed up here to do the podcast. And then I realized I realized he's, he's probably so cheap that he would have done it, and I wouldn't want to have given that guy my money. He but. probably doesn't know that the Internet exists yet. He probably, no, he's a tweeter. He's Is a he? tweeter. He actually good tweets. Yeah. Oh, you didn't see what he tweeted the other day? I saw the thing that he, he said that if uh, somebody asked about buying Crossing Broad. So he, that, said, he said if you won the lottery, if you won a, a million bucks or a billion bucks, he'd buy Crossing Broad, he'd fire me, and he'd promote Leslie to running the site. So, uh Hey, knock, at least we have an idea out. of where he would go uh, with directions. So. I'll happily take his billion dollars, yeah. or, or LeVar's for that matter. Um, what else we got to talk about here? The, um, so there were some about, weird trades that went down today. So weird trades. All right, first of all, let's talk about the Celtics taking Tatum. Okay. Uh, Bill Simmons spent his entire podcast the other day talking himself slowly out of Markel Fultz and slowly into Jason Tatum. Um, Borderline travesty at, at, at best. I mean, Tatum's... Tatum sort of works for their team. I just don't. I just don't like him for the modern NBA. I feel like he he's a decent player. 
Um, he's gone. He's going to be a guy who can score and be a go-to guy to get baskets. But they're. I think you compare him to the next Paul Pierce, which is totally uh, irrational. That's yeah. Um, I mean, not that he can't be, but the guys like like guy, his strength is is long range two point jump shot, and every other team right now is building for, you know, uh, pacing, pacing space pace and D, and the Celtics you know are taking a guy who's playing you know the nineteen eighty eight style of basketball. The weird, after trading back the from weird, the first The weird pick. thing that, that I think has come out of this is, you know, we, we had heard multiple times that Josh Jackson had been promised by a top three team that they would draft him, and that was prior to the Fultz trade, which, which obviously kind of leads you to believe that number three, that pick would have probably been Josh Jackson to the Sixers. Uh, Brett Brown, apparently, after uh, the, the official pick was made, said that they were very interested in Jackson. They went to go see him out in Sacramento. Um, but the fact that he now fell to four to Phoenix was really interesting. And, and Jason Tatum is a guy that we talked about. I think we even talked with Adam and, and Wasserman at some point that we didn't totally understand the hype. He's, he's been compared so often to a Jaleel Okafor, a guy who takes the ball into the post and kills possession. So it is, it is interesting to see that he goes number three overall. Well, and, you know, again, we're recording this at 9.22 on Thursday night, so we don't know what's going to happen, but it would appear that the Celtics are probably going to keep that pick now because that's the guy they liked. If, if, I'm assuming if they were planning on moving it, they would have wound up with, uh, with Josh Jackson, who seems like he's a little bit more in demand on the market. I am uh, really excited because as, as we're checking Twitter while we're recording this, um, the report has come out that uh, Brian Colangelo is very heavily involved on the phones right now. Uh, we knew that he wanted to try to get back up into the first round late, maybe packaging some of those second-round picks. They have four of them. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to say Jaleel Okafor and then have this not come to fruition, but, uh, you know, there, there you go. Uh, there was a little, br- a little argument, debate broke out before as to whether or not uh, Okafor would be a good player coming off the bench. I, would, I have no problem. I don't care if he could play defense. If you can get a guy who's that talented offensively to buy into, like, 17 minutes a game, as a rotational player, I see nothing wrong with that. You Kyle, need- since, we're, since we're here live at Ladder 15, I want to just Uh-oh. see, uh, based on the people's reaction here, is there anybody who's interested in seeing Jaleel Okafor come off the bench next year? This we'll guy- give you two options. Okafor off the bench or Okafor off the, off the team. The finger, so we got okay, one so anybody up. in favor of Okafor off the bench, please uh, be loud now. Cheer, applause. Anybody uh, in favor of Jaleel Okafor off the team? All right. I think I think that spoke for itself. There, Kyle. I guess I'm in the minority. I just look if you got a guy who's, who's who's that able to get his own basket. I know that he doesn't really fit in the league right now, and people are sour on him. I, I don't think he'll buy into the bench role, and it seems like he's, he'd be kind of unhappy there. But I, if you can get him to buy in, I feel like you could do a lot worse as like a seventh or eighth man on your team. Uh, I don't think he's the worst player in the world. He, I just don't think he has any kind of redeemable quality at this point. And I think his stock is so low among the fans. That the concept of him fighting his way back to respectability here just just doesn't exist. Now, the issue that that will cause for the Sixers is they they then have to hope that they can get a a late first-round pick and pick up a big man. Because if you are to trade Okafor, that really leaves you with your only legitimate bigs on the team being Embiid, Rashawn Holmes. And I guess if you want to make the case, you know, Sarge can play the four, can can Simmons play the five in a small ball lineup. But they would need front court help at that point. Slowly talking yourself into it. Uh, so this is probably a good time. We're, we're doing a live show. Um, we usually don't do these. So we don't take calls. We're not a radio show. But we have an audience here. So if anyone wants to come on, talk Sixers, talk process, um, 
it, basically anything you want. We'll do like a little bit of an open mic here. One of the games, one of the game, this might get something going. One of the games we like to play on the podcast uh, is we like to create our Philly sports shore house. Uh, so if you had to spend a week or a summer down the shore and you had three other fi- Philly athletes from any point in history that you had to fi- fill your shore house with, who would they be? Now you have to take into things like like partying, but also cleanliness. Who's going to pay the rent? So mine would have been Pat Burrell, Chase Utley, and Jeff Carter, which I would have gone straight party. Russ would have gone a little more weird. I had uh, Ilya Brzezgalov because he cares about the universe, and shouldn't we all? Terrell Owens because I think he would be a, a wonderfully dynamic personality. And Donald Brashear because nobody's busting down the door with, with good old Donnie standing at the door. So if anyone wants to come up and give their uh, Philly Shore House, we will, uh, we will critique it uh, for uh, whatever. Do you have someone? Intern Bill? You got someone? Philly Shore House. What's that? Yeah. You want to do a Shore House? Yeah, of course. Come oh, we'll on. Do, all right, we'll do Ricky's. And right, we'll have this, him on later, too. This is an older, like an old school Philly Shore House. Give me Mitch Williams, just in case we get into a fight it's or a whole, anything uh, crazy. You're getting a whole lot of crazy with Mitch. I guess you're, you Mitch could say you're getting a wild thing. Huh? Give me uh, Dikembe, just because when you drink a little bit, it'd be fun to have Dikembe say things. Who wants a sex Matumbo? Hey, he, he would block your Give me my uh, all-time shot. favorite eagle that everybody hates. Give me Ricky Waters. I just want to sit. For I want who? to know. I want to know what? what it was like to play with with Jerry Rice and Steve Young and Joe Montana. See, there, there's no dynamic to your house. You got three. You got three <laughs> wackos. But you got one guy. Waters is already on record as as being totally for himself. Matumbo just is going to walk around ask, ask him to get laid. No, and, no, who, no. and who was the third one? And Mitch Mitch Williams is nuts. Mitch Williams is nuts. But it'll be an exciting evening. This has now become... No, it's, it, we've transferred Kyle's from crossing... I don't, now, it's I no don't, longer a crossing broadcast. It's the, uh, the crossing need, broadcast roast of people's shore houses. I don't have a problem with any of those guys individually, but you need, you need balance. You, who's going to pay yeah. the rent? Who's going to pay the rent? Who's going to clean question. the morning after the party in that equation? It's not going to be Ricky Walker. If I could get a fourth spring Darren Dalton in to hold down the house. All right, we're well, gonna have a, we're have a bunch of crazy we people. We should outlaw Dutch from this because I feel like he's just going to be like the leader of everybody's oh, house. Well, know. if you're going to have crazy people, you need somebody to hold down the floor. That's fair. That's all I got. And that's, that's an old school. Unless it's Dutch during his alien years. <laughs> In which case, he really Pre-alien would fit Dutch. very well at the Joy House with uh, Ilya Brzezgalov. Yeah, well, just no. Existential yeah, existential thinking. This would be great. Dutch and Briz uh, would be good. You yeah, want, I, I think you we have one? another one. All right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So if we're going for chemistry... I mean, come on. Embiid, because, you know, self-explanatory. Yeah, we all left he's, Embiid He's bringing the party. Know, we and then give me Sarge and McConnell, because, like, they're going to fight, and then they're going to make up. It's going to be lots of drama. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be fantastic. Trust the friendship. Trust the friendship. Yeah, actually, oh, actually the Sixers have put together a pretty good house right now. They would be kind of your goofy oh, yeah. party guys. I feel like Sarge would be, like, a low-key partier. And B would just be, be the guy who would bring everyone out. This is where getting into translating is, is so interesting. Some of the, the phrases that Sarge has said, I will not repeat them. You can look them up. Uh, the difference between the Croatian language and the English language. Cursing is not the same in Croatian as it is in English. Uh, I would recommend, uh, if you're interested in those things, looking up his comments after the... Uh, they were ousted in the Olympics. And I feel like, feel like McConnell would be the clean guy in the house. His hair is, is his part is way too tight. For him to not be sort of the anal He's got one. great hair. The anal one out of the group. Dorm boss? Oh, for magic tricks. Just for I the, like it. Just Do- for the entertainment? Yeah. Just for the entertainment? I like it. He could make all of your garbage disappear. He's on Hot Blonde Wife number two. They just got married, so he would... 
He would he would bring in the uh, he would bring in the ladies, and I guess cycle through them. Just got really quickly. awkward, Kyle. Yeah, they they, they they going down a rabbit hole there. Didn't want to go down. What's that? So, all right, anybody else? What are some other things that you find sure. awkward? Yeah, Six one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's go intern Bill. So, obviously, number one, Lenny Dykstra. You know okay. what I mean? <laughs> You're going crazy. He's the guy. He's the guy. Every time you come, like everybody goes out to the bar, and he just stays home and does drugs. Oh, so you got to you got to balance this totally, out. Totally, totally. Balance out. Big Lenny guy here. Also, you know how Lashawn McCoy likes to party. You know, not not a lot of guys. You know, a lot of girls. You know, kind of. Shady, Shady sends out some really weird flyers, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Man, yeah, you, man. Your, your house is giving off a vibe, man. Dude, I think you got two guys for... accused of sexual assault, <laughs> so you might want to. Uh, you might want to go with like, Jamie Moyer for your third. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's McCoy's style. Um, obviously, so more McCoy, of a McCoy brings him in. Dykstra brings the drugs, and who's, who's yeah. the third? Bill and then just pat the bat for vibes. Obviously, oh my pat god! The bat. Yeah, oh, he took Jesus. one of yours. He took wow. His house that is house creepier is, than mine. Bill, Bill shut down. Christ. Nobody's paying the rent. Whoa! There goes the mic. Uh, no, nobody's paying the rent. Uh, somebody's getting arrested. Bill actually might get arrested. Poor intern Bill. Uh, Bill, Bill throws up the creep house, and then he breaks the mic. That's a new way to drop the mic. I do want to thank I do want to thank intern Bill for handling our shirt sales tonight. He's been an excellent. He's been, I don't know if, I don't know if he's still here. Uh, someone here was here before, and they were like, I'm pretty sure had were sold on a raise the cat shirt. And then he said he liked the red trust the process. And I was like, well, we don't have that here. We can get it online. And I I talked somebody out of an in person sale, which is like the worst thing you could do. Bill's over here though, moving product. So all the credit to Bill. I do have one bone to pick with intern Bill, and he doesn't know I'm telling this story. So a couple of weeks ago, he was helping, not for this party, but for other sponsorships for the podcast. And he reached out to a couple of... Yeah, so he reached out to another bar. He reached out to Chickies and Pete's, and uh, they responded and said, yeah, you know, we've worked with Crossing Broad before. We'd be interested in working with them again. And then I said to Bill, I was like, well, you know, actually, let's put them on hold. We're going to do a party at Ladder 15. We'd rather do a party there. So Bill, rather than going back to them and saying, hey, you know, like, rule number one in selling ads or selling anything, don't tell someone you don't want to take their money. So Bill emails back Chickies and Pete's and tells them, no, no thanks, I think we're going to go in a different direction. So um, Bill has... He pretty much broke up over <laughs> So, yeah, so he pretty much, like, like initiated the relationship and then broke it up before it could ever start. So, but he's, he's redeemed himself tonight by is moving products. So, thank you. He is... Lo- Literally learning on the job. And I said, he's like, well, I told him we weren't interested. I was like, well, what did you say? And he's like, well, I, I told him we're just going to go in a different direction. So thank you, Bill, for, uh, for picking Bill up. Bill redeemed himself for, tonight, though. For, the redeeming, for redeeming yourself. Um, for, for everyone who's still here, I want to bring on uh, Ricky, Ricky Berger and his fiance Lani, if she wants to come on. Uh, they are from the uh, Philly, the... Museum of Sports. Museum of Sports. I keep wanting to call it the Philly Sports Museum. They are tra- uh, Ricky is raising funds along with uh, Lou Scheinfeld, who used to be Ed Snyder's right-hand man. They are trying to get built a museum next to, across from Lincoln Financial Field in the Jet Row building. It's going to be like a Philly Sports Hall of Fame interactive museum. Uh, we went to, Russ and I went to an event last Thursday in Newtown with a fundraiser. Derek Barnett was there. It was his first appearance. Uh, as an eagle, so I want to bring Ricky on to talk about it. We actually interviewed him then, but we were using my shitty mics, and there was so much background noise that I figured it'd be better to do it on like some real equipment here. Uh, so, what's going on? Bye. 
By the way, they got engaged at that event last Thursday night, so a big congratulations are in order here. She was surprised. He actually had Derek Barnett as his ring, literally his ring man, so um, well done. He, he was the ring bearer, and we're, it's funny, we were doing the wedding list the other night, and she was looking at my list of friends, and she said, Derek Barnett and guest? She said, are you serious? She said, I said, you know, he was part of the engagement, maybe we'll invite him. Oh, so there so, you go. Now he's got to come to your so wedding. He's I a part of the process. So I every single first draft to be at our wedding. Yeah, well, we're watching this draft, and she's like, so who do we know that knows uh, Markel Fultz? And I said, I'm serious. Well, you got to have Markel Fultz go, got to deliver the baby now or something. Like <laughs> you know, you're tied to these first-round draft picks. And Kyle, yeah, there. so it was fun last week. Um, this is like instant replay. Yeah, so, uh, this is, so we had him on last week, and uh, he was, you were a little buzzed. And our, and our sound quality was a little rough. So uh, tell us a little bit about the Museum of Sports. Tell the people here and, and the people listening. So, yeah, I've been uh, talking to the folks here about it. Uh, we've been making a lot of progress uh, the last couple months. Uh, Lou, as you said, brought me on. Lou was the uh, vice president of the Flyers in the 70s during the Stanley Cup years. He was president of the Sixers, and he's just very connected in Philly sports. And he had this idea to build a museum, and we've been looking at different locations, and the Jetro building across from Lincoln Financial Field is uh, offering us 25,000 square feet to, uh, to put the museum in. So it, it should be a fun attraction, you know, opposite Xfinity Live before and after games. And you're uh, trying to get, like, you're trying to make it, the way you explain it to me is interactive, like, super high-tech, not the sort of thing. It's going to be for Philly fans, but for pe- you want people out of the city using this as like a destination when they come to Philly. Correct. I mean, we want to have everything from events to birthday parties to, Lou describes it as museum meets Dave and Buster's on steroids. So we want to have a lot of interactive exhibits as far as what's it like to hit a 100 mile an hour fastball. What's it like to drive a car in the Indy 500. A lot of exhibits where, you know, adults and kids alike can be entertained while you know, the real sports nuts are looking at, you know, the jersey of Babe Ruth or the bat of Ty Cobb. So we really want to have an all-inclusive venue at the sports complex for the fans, by the fans, that will honor a lot of the memories, as I was telling you last week. A lot of people, you know, younger than us don't remember Bobby Clark, don't remember Randall Cunningham, never saw Reggie White play. So there's really nowhere in the city that honors all these players. And for, you know, the next generation of kids coming up, we want them to be able to experience Iverson crossing over Jordan. And uh, when the Eagles stopped Emmett Smith on 4th and 1 in 1995, like, these are amazing plays that kids nowadays can go on YouTube and watch, but it would be great to come down to the sports complex and actually experience them. And that's, that's really the goal of the project. Uh, Ricky, I'd, I remember I asked you last week, um, the idea of this being a museum of sports for, for nationwide, for, for teams all across the country, and I had asked you about how you were able to get these relationships with these, these teams in other cities, but you ended up kind of enlightening us about how you got so much of this memorabilia. If you could. Correct. So there's a, a cardiologist from South Jersey named Dr. Depachi who is the single biggest sports memorabilia collector in the country. He has about $30 million worth of memorabilia from Jackie Robinson, Ty Cobb, Joe Lewis... Um, he actually has the trophy that was given to Burt Bell in 1960 when the Eagles won their only championship. And he has a little museum in South Jersey, in Collingswood. And it, it's hidden, and nobody really goes there, and, and it's a shame. 
And Lou Scheinfeld found out about that, partnered up with Apache, and we want to bring all these memories to the fans of Philadelphia. And correct, it's not just going to be a Philly museum. When Boston fans come in to watch the Red Sox play at Citizens Bank Park, we want them to be able to come to the museum and see an exhibit on Ted Williams. When Yankee fans come down, Depache has stuff from Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez and all the way back to Lou Gehrig and, and Babe Ruth. So, uh, one, so one of the things, on a lighter note, when we – so we didn't realize this. We did – recorded part of the show last week at your event. Adam wasn't there again because he, he's in New York. Uh, what we found out the next morning is Adam – his thing is breaking down engagement videos. He like one like his pastime, I guess, is is going on YouTube and watching engagement videos. And he said he had a blast with yours. And at least he prefaced it with, "Look, I've never been engaged because if you've it never is, gone through it, it it's very, tough. It is it very is, difficult. It's it tough. I mean, I on, I did it in actually not too far from here by City Hall, by like the, the, the pond in front of whatever building across City Hall. And I said to Ricky last week, I was like, I didn't have anybody watching me, and I was, you know, like shitting bricks. Well, um, I mean, I was nervous because there was an event and so many moving parts, and everybody said to me afterwards, what if she said no? And that, that never crossed my mind, and that's how afterwards I was like, wow, that's how I know she's the one, because... Her saying no was the least of my worries. Yeah, I, yeah. So that's just you know. to set the scene for people here. It was, it was Ricky and Lanny, and then Lou, who's his partner, and then Derek Barnett holding the ring, and Brian Prop on the end. And at, so Adam was, you know, like navel gazing at everything going on in the background while you're proposing, and Derek Barnett with his very mild golf clap. And it was a motley crew. Maybe the most awkward moment of Derek's life, <laughs> and he a, handled it flawlessly. That was an like, like Adam was saying. Derek couldn't have been cooler. Like he you said, it was not. an awkward moment. And I didn't, I didn't know him. Um, I just knew I wanted to make it memorable, and he had been so cooperative setting up the event. So I said, you know, why not, you know, have him involved? And Adam was right. Uh, you had played the podcast last week, and Adam said, I thought I was invested in Derek Barnett's career. This guy, Ricky Berger, just doubled is down. really invested. You just doubled down. And, if he, and if I he's played a bust. that for Lanny and she was cracking up. Yeah, if he's a bust... Hopefully they have a happy marriage, but I don't, point, I don't know if we. I don't, I don't know if it came up if, if this came up on the the podcast, but but Ricky, you uh you happen to know Adam previously. I you know what I I was talking to his dad Bruce yesterday, and I said I his name's Bruce. I said I said Bruce. Adam Adam was talking about me. And he said Ricky Berger a few times, and I'm like he definitely did not remember me. And Adam was a little kid, and he was my neighbor on Springwood Place in Holland, and. Um, my dad and his father played basketball together, and uh, I said to Bruce yesterday, he definitely didn't remember me, and Bruce said, yeah, we talked to him over the weekend, and Adam was shocked to know that you used, used to, to babysit him. used to babysit So, yeah, it's a small world, man. that much. What were you, like, like a two, year, two years older than him? I was probably 12, 11 or 12. Our parents used to go out, and he was maybe four or five. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Yeah, All right. but I... It was just, younger than I thought. It was strictly strictly sports. Our dads played ball together, and I didn't His. realize I didn't realize Adam had gotten into sports until we drafted Noel, and everybody had Adam Lefko on the radio to talk about New Orleans Noel. And I said, "Holy shit!" I said, "I, I knew him when he was a little kid." And, um, Kentucky. You know, since yeah, then, yeah. he's gone on to bigger and better things. But yeah, I think he worked in Kentucky. Like our podcast. Um, yeah, his favorite moment. His favorite moment of the video, and mine too, by the way, was was. Uh, the guy asking prop for his autograph during yeah, yeah. during the uh, during the sorry, so festivities. One, one thing I've learned about these events is there's a lot of what 
memorabilia people call autograph hounds. So whenever you have an event with a headliner, people go for autographs. I mean, it's a whole industry now. Yeah, it so is. that's it can get awkward, especially for the players when you know certain people are coming up to get their autograph. But it went well, I think. It did. So tell people uh, one last time where they could, uh, where they, how they could find out more about them. So uh, our Twitter account, ran by our my great intern Mike Rosansky, who's a big fan of yours, is at the Museum of Sports underscore. Right. So at the Museum of Sports underscore, you can uh, like us on Facebook at the Museum of Sports. You can add me on Facebook, Ricky Berger. You know, I'll answer your questions. A lot of people want to volunteer. A lot of people want to get involved. And Lou Scheinfeld is also on Facebook. So if you want to ask him a lot of uh, annoying questions about the spectrum and his years with the Flyers, he, he sits in and answers them all day long. So good, good stuff. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks again. Thanks for coming out again. I appreciate good it. Good luck to you guys. Good luck to Derek Barnett. Uh, and I guess we should switch. That was actually a pretty good transition. We should switch gears. Oh, man. I, Go ahead. I, I just really quick. I, you know, this, this happened a little bit before we started recording. But uh, we were talking, I think, really briefly, uh, a big trade went down in the NBA yes. before we make that, that fantastic transition that I you were going so for. I, I kind of did what you did to Adam a couple, couple episodes ago. Um, the, the trade of Jimmy Butler to Minnesota. Yes. It was uh, Butler in 16 for number seven, which became Laurie Markin and Zach Levine and Chris Dunn was maybe one of the more surprising deals that we saw, which I'm all for. I think it makes sense for both teams. I love the fact as a Sixers fan that, you know, uh, I think it was earlier this week, I kind of gone down the, the playoff lineups and the teams that finished ahead of the Sixers last year. I mean, I think you essentially wiped the Bulls off the map. Yeah, but put as another being, one on. As being a team that uh, will finish ahead of the Sixers next year. I do think that the Bulls got better for the future. They, they're going to take that initial hit. They have Dwayne Wade coming back at, I think, $24 million a year. He was asked the other day about why did you uh, opt back into the Bulls, and he said, I have 24 million reasons why. Um, they've gotten better. They've gotten younger. If Zach Levine is able to bounce back, then it, it might not be that, that much of a steal. Um, and I think it also helps them get out of that, that uncertainty of knowing that Jimmy Butler is going to be brought up at every trade deadline and, and in every offseason. But... Yeah, but Minnesota, but Minnesota is definitely trying to make their their uh, their mark in the West, and this leads me to your favorite player, Kyle Lowry, and I would opine at this point that Lowry is a great fit for Minnesota. I think they have about twenty four million dollars in cap space going into next year. That increases by eleven million the next year, and I think they only have like twenty million dollars committed. Uh, in three seasons, so Ricky the, Rubio the, just the stays on the training block forever. Yeah, Ricky Rubio is an interesting guy, and, and it's a shame for him. But like, if nothing else, I think it does kind of lock him in. If they aren't going to get Lowry, uh, they might maybe make a play for a Patrick Beverly. Maybe they sign a Patty Mills. But I do think Rubio kind of hangs out there. He still can't shoot, but at least he's a decent playmaker. And Jimmy Butler going back to play for Tom Thibodeau will be an interesting thing to see. So. Yeah, I mean, they have a couple of young stars, and then you add in Butler, who's only, I think, 27. The other nice thing a free is... Agent. Like, I, to, me, to me, the Celtics... I actually feel stronger about a team like the Wolves competing with the Sixers than the Celtics. I feel like the Celtics are... Like, they're in a weird, do we win now or win later mode. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with... They got so many first-round picks over the next two I years. I do think but the Celtics... They don't scare me. For some, some, like, Isaiah yeah, Thomas yeah. Is, 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 an odd, is a bit of an odd player. He, he demands the ball a lot. Uh, Tatum's going to demand the ball a lot, and so they're in this like weird win now mode with a couple of like mismatched guards and all these picks for the future. Like I- I'm just not they quite have, sure exactly what they they're have doing. They have a Brooklyn pick next year. 
and they might be getting that Lakers pick next year, or they get the Sacramento pick the year. Then again, the, year, the next year. Let's just think about what they did with their pick this year, though. They had the number one pick in the draft, and they traded it back to take Tatum, a guy who, for most people, was probably like the least upside guy out of the top five. So that's fair. You know, Angel, Angel actually had a pretty good draft record prior to like 2011. Yeah, it was prior s- to the big to the big three. Yeah, and since then it's been pretty miserable. Um, real, real quick, I, this probably isn't the Flyers crowd, but. Um, Big week for the Flyers too, and we sort of. I, some people actually. Two things we've gotten comments on lately. Talk more Flyers, uh, so we're going to do that now. But Russ is uh, very thrilled because he had at least four people come up to him talk soccer tonight. One person wearing a Team USA jersey. I believe so. it was even a Team USA women's national team jersey. I think Impressive. it was an Alex Morgan. Oh, I, I'd, I'd wear an Alex Morgan jersey. I'm sure you would. So uh, yeah, the Flyers in the expansion draft. I, I did nail the fact that they would leave Michael Rothlin and Michael Neuverth uh, open open and unprotected. Yep. They did draft Marc-Andre Fleury, which I expected. But out of nowhere, seemingly out of nowhere, the Golden Knights of Las Vegas did not take Wheel. They did not take Rothlin. They did not take Neuverth. They took the recently, as, as you know, recent as March, appointed alternate captain to the Philadelphia Flyers, Pierre-Edouard Bellemare. And a guy who has been ridiculed and, and, and in many flyer circles despised and, and written off as a poor player who kind of fits that ultimate hustle. You know, he's a real good player out there. He does all the dirty work. He goes down the corners. He does the four chicky. Uh, Belmar's gone. And I, I, did you bring up the theory that someone was it? Was it you mentioned the the assistant? Who mentioned the assistant? Captain oh yeah, there, there was somebody who said that uh, they they were convinced that the reason the Flyers made Belmar a, uh, an alternate captain in March was specifically to try to get uh, uh, the Golden Knights, Vegas, to, to take him. I don't know about that. I mean, it, it was weird. They, they gave the guy a two-year extension, and, and now they're... Is that a catfish? There, what what would you goes. call that? There's like, a, there's like a word for that, that sort of... It's like, well, giving, it's like a mind fuck, but there's, give, a, there's giving something him better. An, I don't yeah, know. Like, I, like I, that sort of... Pl- um, game theory. There's a little bit of game theory in there. I guess. Yeah. I, it's not I don't, a catfish, I don't necessarily, not a catfish I don't necessarily think that's that's what this was. I would appreciate it if it was. I would respect Ron Hextall more. But um, oh, Hexy, yeah, he's doing a good job for that organization. Eh? So we're throwing throwing away the kind of loosely loosely sourced, okay, uh, the sort of the loosely sourced Vancouver Sports Talk Radio report that they could potentially trade the number two pick in exchange for like a slew. So the deal is Vegas has one first round pick. It's number six. But there are a bunch of reports. I guess they struck side deals with teams, which may be why you didn't see some players get taken, where they weren't going to take the unprotected player for a certain team in, a, in exchange for getting the rights to that team's first-round pick. And I, there was a report yesterday out of Vancouver that a lot of Flyers people weren't completely dismissing it, that they could potentially trade the number two pick, which makes me very upset, Well, for... I, whatever haul Vegas is able to sort of cull from the rest of the first round. Uh, I, I wrote on the website, I'd give up. I'm done with the Flyers for a year if they do that. Like, I, I'm not even trying to, like, get attention or be, like, you know, sort of, like, goofy hot take with that. This is a two-player draft. All anyone has talked about, they're going to come away with two potential all-star centers. I don't think it's going to happen, but we're in agreement that this would be, like, the worst thing they could possibly do, right? Well, let me hit two points on this. So, if you're the Flyers and you've done the medical reports and you've seen them and you think that Nolan Patrick is going to be an injury risk and, and doesn't have a long career ahead of him in the NHL because he's going to be perpetually injured, then I could see the rationale to it. 
Uh, to the point about the side deals with uh, Vegas, let me just kind of enlighten people to how expansion drafts typically work. Uh, in MLS, this happens a lot. They, they've done a lot of expansion recently. And you don't necessarily pick the best players on teams because if you do, if you pick their best unprotected player, you run the risk of teams not wanting to do business with you. And, and Vegas, I think, is in it for the long haul. They know they're not going to compete anytime soon. So what they did was essentially make good goodwill deals. I don't necessarily think it's because the Flyers are looking to trade the number two pick. I think it's more they didn't want to take everybody's best player because they need they know that they need to have good relationships with with other organizations, and especially in the NHL where everybody is you know it's like a fraternity amongst the, uh, See, the I GMs. Hate, I hate that. Like uh, take the guy if you want. It's well, part of the rules. You know, I, I don't disagree, but I think that's why you see. You see them take strategic guys that can help them in the short term with, with jersey sales like Flurry, and guys who have at least decent leadership experience in like a Belmar, but you don't see them take the best player available in this expansion draft. They take guys yeah, who, have, who have young, they take young guys who have promise and they take, they take guys that, that have leadership qualities and maybe sell some tickets, but they know they're not going to compete right away. It's better to build relationships in the league to start than it is to try to field a team that's maybe going to finish 10th or 11th in, in their conference. Fair enough. Uh, so the, the, the last thing that remains is who the Flyers wind up taking at number two. Uh, we've been on board Nico the entire time. He's the speedy, quick, small guy who can score, the guy the Flyers never have. And now we have reports from Sam Carcitti, from TSN, from... Bob McKenzie. I think Bleacher the, Report. Yeah, Bleacher Report that the uh, the Devils are leaning towards taking Nico, which would mean Nolan Patrick falls to the Flyers, who by up until like three weeks ago was almost a consensus number one pick. He's bigger, two-way center, yada, 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 all the things, humana, 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 all the things that the Flyers always have in a center. I wanted a guy who can score, and I'm pretty sure we're not going to get him. And it could just the T-shirt, the Nico Power Play T-shirts are going to go to uh, the children. The Flyers are going Kenya. on the Nico Power Play. The all those T-shirts that we are having made up are, are going to go to the, the the way of the Buffalo Bills uh, Super Bowl shirts from the '90s Oof. to to children somewhere far. There's some random guy who listens to us in Buffalo who now just tuned out and will never <laughs> listen ever again. He is currently canceling. And there's uh, there's going to be kids somewhere shirt. who thinks the Flyers drafted Nico. Um, so anyway, it looks like they might come out of this with Nolan Patrick, which is a good thing, I guess. But he's been hurt a lot over the last year, which is a little bit concerning because uh, we drafted another guy with injury concerns. Um, but we'll catch up with that on, on Monday. We'll do a recap of, uh, yeah. of the NHL draft. And hopefully hopefully something changes and we'll be able to, uh, to sell some Nico shirts. We will see. So anyway, that's, uh, that's going to be our show. Thanks again to uh, Ladder 15. Thank you for everybody here for coming out who's still here. They've been here for, I guess, four hours now. Um, thank you to Intern Bill, to Ricky Berger, to New Media Studios for bringing their equipment, helping us out. They're doing a video, so there's going to be some sort of video version of this uh, soon. So, uh, again, thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, check us out. Uh, subscribe in iTunes, Crossing Broadcast. Please leave us a five-star review. That helps. We've kind of consistently been in the top 100 in iTunes. We made it up to number 9. Let's I think see. we're close to 200 uh, to two hundred ratings at this close point. Close to 200 ratings in two like months, 100, so we'll 184, take 185 five-star reviews. Help us get over that 200 mark. And thank you, seriously, thank you again. Everybody who's here has come up and told us they like the show. It is really good to hear. I've been doing the website for a while, but the podcast is new to all, both of us, so when 
when we hear good feedback about the podcast, uh, we're, we're trying to get better every show. It's really good to hear. So thank you. Thanks for listening, and uh, uh, enjoy the rest of the night.